Welcome on, friends, to the Heartland College Sports Podcast radio show, YouTube show. We appreciate you being here, you joining us. Uh, thanks for being on the show. I'm Pete Mundo, and let's welcome in and say hello to our pal Tim Fitzgerald. Does a great job, of course, covering Kansas State with Go Power Cat. Got to check it out, not just if you're a K-State fan, but if you're a, a Big 12 fan, which obviously you are if you're here. Go Power, Go Power Cat is uh, the place to be. Tim, what's happening, man? Uh, I feel like we're sitting here with the calm before the storm when it comes to the Big 12, Pac-12 expansion, what's going to happen. Uh, how are you reading the situation as we sit here right now looking at it? Well, I'm convinced that June 30th is a deadline in multiple yeah. ways. I think the Big 12's had enough of this. Um, I think some schools have had enough. And I know San Diego State needs to officially give notice whatever their – their current status is if they're still dating, broken up, uh, if they're like friends and they're on a break. I, I don't know what their status is right now uh, with the Mountain West, but it just we're just kind of hanging out here wondering, is this really all going to go down in the next eight days? I don't I don't see how that's possible, but um, it would seem to be the timetable. And at this point, it, Pete, you know, I love this stuff. I love this stuff. And I am exhausted by this round because uh, I, I'm truly convinced the Pac-12 has been absolutely gaslighting their own fans about what's going on. And they are in a much worse situation than Pac-12 fans actually think. And that's sad because when it happens, if it happens, it's going to be uh, it's going to be really hard for those people to digest. But at what point, whether it's Colorado, which seems the most likely, Arizona, I mean, at what point do they feel like they've been gaslighted yeah. enough to make that move? Or are they just kind of holding out hope, knowing the Big 12 is not going to go anywhere else first, right? They've kind of right. got the Big 12 by the short hairs, so they've got time and they're using it. Yeah, I think they're they're pretty exhausted by the constant delays. I mean, there's a K-State account that is keeping track of them, and it, it takes three tweets to tweet out the number of times they said, we got a deal coming, and nothing comes. Yeah. Um, I think they're probably at the edge, and if they really are going to move, I think uh, certainly Colorado will do so by the end of the month. Uh, Pete, if they don't have a deal by June 30th, if they don't tell their members by you know June 30th, and I think they might be waiting to the last second to try to hold everyone hostage, I, I just don't understand what kind of leadership that is. Uh, that tells me they don't have a deal. They just don't have one. Because if you had a good one, you'd, you'd throw it in everyone's face. Um, and they just seem to be killing time and, and uh, stalling for a better outcome than they currently have. Well, you know, and, and you love the college sports business landscape as much as I do. And it just seems to me, I mean, we both work in uh, looking for advertising dollars, whether it's direct, uh, whether it's affiliate accounts, whether it's, you know, ad agency, whatever it might be. Things are soft this year, Tim. I mean, you tell mm -hmm. me who's ponying up $32 million a year for Washington State, Stanford, and Cal when they can't fill the stadiums at some of these places. I mean, it's a horrible year with no leverage to try to get a TV deal. And I don't know where Kleokov thinks he's getting one. Klyovkov and, and the leadership of the Pac-12 keep talking about what was important 10 years ago, media markets and, you know, all this stuff when really fan engagement and rivalries and heat, a little, you know, a little heat to your, your conference play or what it's important. And they just don't have that. I saw Utah, mm -hmm. uh, a Utah fan tweet something out about Colorado being their rival. And I'm like, really? I, I didn't know that. I had no idea. Um, so it, 
it just doesn't seem like they have much fan engagement at all, particularly across some of those schools you mentioned. Uh, and ironically, I think the fan engagement at Utah is probably the best, but they've yeah. been pretty clear about not wanting anything to do with the Big 12. Arizona State now thinks it's an AAU program, so it's going to the Big 10, which I, I don't understand that either. Uh, so, yeah, it's it's just a, a crazy mess. Uh, and I think a lot of these schools are absolutely delusional. Their ratings aren't great. They're missing a vital time slot, which is that early morning kickoff. Mm -hmm. uh, and it just really impacts their value in a way that they can't seem to grasp. Yeah, it's it's true. You're right. That that 11 a.m. Central kickoff has in many ways become more valuable. I mean, Big New yeah. Kickoff basically said, we're going all in at 11 a.m. And it's worked out beautifully for them. And the Pac-12 can't possibly provide well, that. Unless they want to play at 9 a.m. or something. <laughs> uh, you know, I, I don't see them doing that. And, you know, that's that's been a big shift. And you're right. I think the networks, the, you know, the entities now value that early kickoff more than they have just in the last five, ten years. Mm -hmm. And, um, you know, out of the four time periods, the least valuable is the late night one. Yes. But when you're the Big 12, adding that, adds value to your conference because you you haven't had that before yeah. you can now fill all four time slots and unless the the pac-12 ends up with some kind of coast-to-coast -coast conference with remnants of the acc eventually they're not going to be able to fill all those time slots and mm -hmm. uh, i'm just uh i'm just fascinated by how awful the pac-12 leadership is it's gotten so bad pete i don't even I'm having problems predicting what's up because it's just a fumbling, stumbling mess. It is. Um, do you, you know, as the Big 12 has gone through this, Tim, you know, whether it's any of the four corner schools or the talk of Gonzaga, San Diego State, UConn, um, some of these perceived basketball schools, especially UConn and, and Gonzaga. Um, I've understood what Brett Yormark has done here in trying to basically make the Big 12 the SEC of college basketball. Um, thinking that basketball is in many ways undervalued and not just a throw in for football. But right. it seems like he's gotten some pushback on this. And I, I understand it uh, based on the way as I understand the contract is written, which is you only get the extra $31 million for the new schools if they're power fives. Do you want to share money or lose money to add UConn or Gonzaga? I wouldn't. So what do you think's going on there and how Brett Yormark is trying to play this? Well, if he's planning on breaking out the, the basketball portion of this contract at the next negotiation. I'm not sure why you're trying to add any basketball schools to your conference right now. I mean, if this con if this contract lasts five years, do it then. Because then, I mean, the whole point is he feels like the 31.7 million per school becomes, you know, I don't know, 40, 45 million per school by dividing out basketball with, with football because the basketball product, honestly, they're giving it away. They're, they're yep. just that that's a neat trick that the networks have pulled. I fell for it. That basketball is one tenth, maybe 20% of the contract. And then they turn around every March and look what the, the NCAA tournament generates for the NCAA. Yeah. Um, that's not true. And particularly if you put together, you set up perfectly the sec of college basketball in the big 12 from coast to coast, you could sign an you know exclusive deal with the TBS, you know, a Turner that, uh, kind of ramps up all the way into the NCAA tournament. I'm, I'm fascinated by the play. I'm fascinated by the Mexico moves. Uh, but right now they need to get four football schools on board. Uh, I know what he's trying to do with UConn. I'm, I understand that, but 
Um, unless ESPN is willing to pay that, I've been told both ways that they, they are, they have signed off on UConn and San Diego state. Uh, I get it, but maybe his thought is we'll bring them in. We've created extra inventory. If they don't want to pay for it, someone will. And, and maybe that's the approach he's going. And do you think the move, you know, you mentioned Mexico, we know that your marks a New York city guy, UConn, the ties there five time national champs in the last quarter decade. Um, you know, you got these camps happening in Harlem. Do you think that's a move that makes sense for the Big 12? And those of us who have been around this league forever have to stop thinking about it as this, you know, middle America conference, or is that possibly a stretch to think the Big 12 brand can cap a media, can get into a media market like New York City? Yeah, I, I'm not sure. I'm, I'm not real sure um, how this is all going to play out. And the key here is being able to actually peel schools out of the Big East, and I'm not sure yeah. that will happen. I mean, yeah, you add Gonzaga, uh, which puts them on a strange island, unless they're secretly talking to Oregon and Washington that we don't know about. You, you put Gonzaga up there in the Northwest, and you, you almost feel like you need UConn and Villanova and, and someone else uh, to kind of help balance things out. Um, I, I just, uh, he's got so many things in the air and this is one of the things I love about him. Um, he is willing to explore anything. He'll look into any idea that he feels is tangible. Uh, you know, even if it goes against all the thinking of all the, the conference leaders around the country, he's going to at least explore it. Uh, so the big 12 is trying some new stuff. They're trying to be inventive. He's trying to generate revenue. Uh, and I applaud him for that. And and not every idea is a good idea, and he'll find that out. Yeah. Do you think, I mean, looking back on the hire of your mark last year, Tim, I don't think any of us could have predicted what the last 10, 11 months have brought. Um, this kind of thinking, though, uh, I believe has been a uh, a welcome sight for college athletics and for this league, which was always kind of just trying to keep up and never truly leading the way in any way. Um, how do you feel about the first almost year of the your mark hire and what it's done for this league? Well, I, I feel like the league is really unified, uh, more unified probably since the founding. Um, yep. I mean, even at the start, there was concerns about Texas and moving the offices from Kansas City to Dallas, ruffling feathers up north. Uh, so I see a sense of unity that I haven't seen. Maybe a couple schools are eye on the horizon, but no one really has any place to go right now. And um, I, I think once they get to going in this new conference, uh, is in full place, whether it's 12 or 16 schools in football. Uh, I think there's going to be a real sense of unity, but the Big 12 really needs to get to playing. And yeah. that includes with the four new schools coming in this year. They need to get to playing and, and kind of put this stuff on the back burner. And I think Brett Yormark, even though he's he's determined to expand, is, is about done with this cycle. It's just gone on too, too long and it's been too messy. Uh, the Pac-12 issues are spilling over. Um, and, and staining the Big 12, and it's just, you know, I, how somehow they, the Big 12's been made the villain and haven't done anything. So it's uh, it's been a really good year under Brett Yormark, and I think it's going to be fun to cover him. He's Tim Fitzgerald. Go Powercat. I'm Pete Mundo, Heartland College Sports. As always, if you're on YouTube, the podcast, hit that subscribe button. Always appreciate our radio listeners uh, joining us as well on the show. Tim, let's go to Manhattan. Um, speaking of things going well the last 12 months, a Big 12 <laughs> championship in football, nearly reaching a Final Four in basketball. Where does this past year, and by the way, it doesn't look like the momentum's ending, any, ending, no. ending anytime soon. Um, what's what's the atmosphere like there in Manhattan around these two programs, the success that they've had, 
and frankly, the standard that's been set for this upcoming season. It, it, you're right. It feels like a beginning, not a yeah. culmination of anything, almost a starting point now with the Klein and Tang duo in place. Uh, and Kleiman's recruiting is improving on the football side. Tang's recruiting is, um, you know, going up another step. And it was already good, but now it's it's gone up, you know, in terms of who they're getting in to visit from the prep ranks. When they won the, the football, basketball, and baseball titles in 2013, 12 and 13, it, it was cool. But it also felt like the culmination, yes. Colin Klein's senior year. And, you know, they, they hit the right number of guys in basketball. Um, and, and on and on. Um, but this just feels like we're just getting started. It's going to be fun. Everyone loves these two head coaches. They love their athletics director. Um, there's just a lot of good vibes around Manhattan, Kansas right now. What about, you know, how those two guys, out of curiosity, what's what's the the relationship like between Tang and, and Kleiman and who's top dog and who's, you know, let's be honest, egos get involved on college campuses. They seem like they're both very, from afar, pretty humble, pretty normal, for lack of a better word, guys. Is that a fair assessment mm -hmm. or is there, you know, something going on there that that maybe makes it intriguing on campus? And and no sense of that ego you mentioned from either one of them. They're just not that kind of guy. Um, and they they seem to, you know, what little they probably interact because they're both so busy. They, they're so diligent about their own work. Every time they interact, it's kind of a, a cool chance to see these two guys who are similar age, um, you know, and, and also were both doubted when they were hired at Kansas State having success. I think they've just got a lot in common and they genuinely like each other. That's great. Now, when you look at uh, football, before we get to the team, the season ahead, I, I got so used to, Tim, the last 10 years or so, uh, you know, just knowing, hey, round robin in football, uh, you're just going to rotate home and away. Now you actually got to look at the schedules and say, okay, who's got an easier path? Who's got a tougher path in the yep. Big 12? The K-State schedule for the fans who haven't dug into it yet how do you feel like it, it broke down and, and how does it compare to what you've seen? Well, you, you essentially replace what West Virginia is out and you get Houston. Um, and I, that's pretty comparable, but I think West Virginia is probably a little bit better, you know, further along than Houston. Uh, they've gotten both towards the bottom of my conference picks. Yeah. And, and then you replace Oklahoma with UCF. And I think they're pretty comparable. But uh, of course, you've got the little magic going with Oklahoma. So you kind of unfortunately yeah, don't have right. them. But yeah, I, I think that the schedule is good. It might be a hair uh, less daunting for this team. But from everything I'm hearing, they are so focused on those three non-conference games and not having that slip up in that part of the schedule. Uh, because if you look back at last year, if they don't lose to Tulane, they might be brushing up against the the, the playoffs um, as Big 12 champions. Probably wouldn't have made it, but they certainly would have been in a much better position. But uh, I think this team, with all their veteran leadership, the guys that came back, are they're ready to do something, and they're they're eyeing that Big 12 title again, and and maybe even a better season. We know about Will Howard, uh, but is there a uh, and we'll get to him? But is there a part of this team that maybe you know the casual Big 12 fan? isn't paying enough attention to that they'll watch this year and say, dang, I didn't realize that unit, that player, who, who are those guys, that unit that, you know, the casual big 12 fans should be looking at and saying, wow, K-State's got fill in the blank. You know, K-State's got some questions on defense at, you know, nose tackle, maybe some depth on the back end. But if Khalid Duke returns to the defensive end play that he showed 
you know, earlier in his career before he had the injury and moved back to linebacker. Um, if the other defensive ends are healthy and, and Mott and Matlack, Daniel Green's healthy, I think this defense is going to be a high-impact defense. So while everyone's looking at the losses of Felix Andy D.K. Ozama, I think they've got answers for those losses and young guys that are um, coming along or a veteran like Khalid Duke who's going back to his position. And, you know, maybe some better questions on that uh, offensive side of the ball with some of their skill guys. But Pete, when you return your entire offensive line, plus a guy who was injured, plus your young guys who are coming up, um, you're looking at eight guys that are Big 12 ready. You're going to be pretty good. Um, they're just going to make things a lot easier for Will Howard, the running backs, and and everyone else on that offensive side of the ball. I, I think there's just tremendous promise. And there's some real unknowns here that I, I want to get to. I want to see it. You know, I um... – I said sometime in the last couple of months that if I had to win a game and I needed one quarterback in the league right now, I mean, it's pretty obvious to me it's Will Howard, and I don't yeah. think it's all that close right now. Um, what is his offseason look like? And, uh, you know, is that do you agree with that statement that if any quarterback in the Big 12, you got to win one game this weekend, Tim, it's Will Howard? I keep looking at these people ranking the top quarterbacks in the Big 12, and and one and two in whatever order aren't Howard and Jalen Daniels. And I don't know what's going on. Ewers shouldn't be in the top two. He Look, he's he's talented. He put up some really impressive games, including against Kansas State. But he also had some stinkers. And he had some yeah. games where he's pretty bad. Same with Gabriel mm -hmm. at Oklahoma and, and some other guys. Uh, I think Will Howard's the best quarterback in the Big 12. And if it's not him, it's Daniels. Uh, they're different types of quarterback. But I do agree with your um assessment that if you've got to win a game, Will Howard's your guy. Daniels could carry a team, but um, he also is prone to mistakes more at a higher level than, than a Will Howard. And I, I'll just, I'm going to bank on Will Howard. He's bigger and stronger. Hopefully he's, you know, still got some speed to him so he can run the ball, but boy, he's a horse now and he's confident and he can wing it all over the field and make some really difficult throws. You know, uh, it's, I'm glad you brought those two guys up, Howard and Daniels. I don't know, you know, how good Kansas is going to be, if they're going to still be bowl eligible after last year's magic. I have no idea. Um, but clearly, you've got a K-State program that I believe should be favored to win the league. you got a KU program on the rise. Uh, there's not a tremendous amount of in-state talent. It's certainly not Texas or, or even Oklahoma, but, you know, there's some. What are Kleiman and Lance Leipold doing that really is making this state um, in large part, I think, whether it's at the quarterback position or just in general, uh, the center of the Big 12 and, and really two of the most fascinating teams in the conference going into the season. Well, I think the difference between the programs uh, remains the base recruiting in Kansas for Kansas State is so much stronger. And I just think you need that kind of mental investment from a guy who grew up in your state understanding the program. And we've seen it over and over at Kansas State. But I think Lance Leipold brings to the table something that helped K-State, you know, build its its program, and that's identifying underdeveloped talent and put them in a developmental program uh, and bring them out the other side as Big 12-level players. Because that's really true for Kansas and Missouri in the fact that the way the high school associations are set up, they really aim at multi-sport athletes and not just football players playing football 12 months around. So they... They don't get the one sport development. They get kind of a you know overall athletic development, and then they get into college and learn more specifically how to be a great football player. Um, and I think Leipold's doing a great job with that. Uh, and he's he's you know, got a great coaching staff. He's the right guy. And if they don't get this going right now, 
Um, I'm afraid they're going to lose him, including with their stadium renovations, and which I hear are going great. Uh, but they they got to get it they, tangible. Uh, things need to become tangible in Lawrence. Uh, they had a great season last year. You know, as we all know, it petered out the end. But uh, I think he's set the base up now for some real success. You know, when you look at uh, the Big 12 in general, Tim, I, I, I see a conference where no team, like every team thinks that if they get the right breaks, they'll be bowl eligible. And I can't think of any other conference where that's the case. So going into the season, um, I don't want you to have to share your preseason poll if you haven't done that yet publicly. But who do you think is the worst team in this league? Houston. I, yeah. I, one, I don't think they have the talent right now to compete at this level. And two, I've seen Dana Holgerson do yes. this thing. So it's kind of a double whammy for them. Uh, you know, and I think Cincinnati is just, you talk about good times to transition and bad times. That was horrible timing to lose Luke Fickle and replace him with Scott Satterfield, who is also, I got to see it to believe it from him. And then um, I've got Iowa State and West Virginia in there as the bottom four. Uh, so it's uh, it's going to be interesting. I, I'm just I'm eager to see how UCF and BYU fit in this conference from day one. How competitive they are. Uh, I think they're both going to go through a period of shock that um, you know you play a Kansas State or a Texas Tech, a TCU um, or a Texas, and then you turn around and you think, oh, I got it easy. I'm playing you know Iowa State, and then you're just what? I mean, they're picked for the bottom of the conference and, and they're, it's now 10 to nine in the fourth quarter, uh, which is exactly what happened to K-State. Yeah. But uh, it's, it, it just is a battery every week. And it doesn't matter. Now the Kansas is going, there are no gimmies at all. And the, and the new schools won't be that way either. I'm, I'm, I'm not disrespecting Cincinnati and Houston by picking them in the last two spots. I'm just saying this conference is really good. Uh, and these are decent programs that are going to probably struggle in their first year. Which road trip are you most looking forward to? Are you a mountains guy or are you a uh, sunny Florida guy, Tim? Uh, well, unfortunately, we don't get any of the new trips this season, which upset me. Um, I'm probably more of a Florida guy, but I also love the mountains. Um, and, you know, the, the most excited I am for a trip in this football season with this schedule is that I'm going to miss Austin so I can go to Las Vegas to cover basketball. So, oddly, the, my favorite trip during football season is a basketball trip okay <laughs> that's great he is uh tim fitzgerald go power cat does a great job of course covering kansas state thanks for joining us whether it's on youtube on the podcast always appreciate you hitting that subscribe button for us uh does a lot to help the show and to our radio affiliates always appreciate you guys tim it's great to have you on my friend uh thanks for being here and and we'll be talking to you soon Hey, if something doesn't happen here pretty soon, I'm just inviting UNLV, and you all can live with it. Well, <laughs> I want I want Vegas and football, too. There you go. UNLV, you heard it here first. Uh, you're the man, Tim. Thanks for joining us. You bet, Pete.